to uh, just open up your Bibles right where you are to Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, and uh, follow along with me as we uh, enter into the teaching of the Word. And over the next four weeks, I'd like to speak on a, on a sermon series titled, Be Filled. Yeah. Be Filled. So our sermon title over the next four weeks, our sermon series is Be Filled. As we approach June, June 5th, I believe, is Day of Pentecost where many evangelical churches, Christian churches, um, will celebrate the day of Pentecost. It's the day where the Holy Spirit descends upon the church, um, and the church is baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'd like to, uh, over the next four Sundays, preach on uh, being filled, being filled, Pentecost, uh, and, and this wonderful experience that we have with God. And today's title is Pentecost in the Church of Today. Pentecost and the church of today is today's title. Our overall thought is be filled. Next week I want to talk about embracing Pentecost. And then two weeks from today we're at our family camp. I'm going to say amen. amen. And we are going to be talking about a spirit-filled family. And then on the 12th we're going to talk about a spirit-filled church. So today is uh, Pentecost in the church of today. Tomorrow, next Sunday is embracing Pentecost. Two weeks from today is a spirit-filled family. And then four weeks from, uh, three weeks from today, or the fourth sermon, is a spirit-filled church. Pentecost and the church of today, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to have gathered here today and now enter into this second part of the service, Father. We pray, Lord, that we would open our hearts to sense, our ears to hear, our eyes to see, Lord, what you want to speak into our lives this morning, O oh Lord, what you want us to sense, what you want us to see, O oh Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for all that you have done. I pray, Lord, that I would just hide myself behind your voice, Lord, that you would speak to your people this morning. I pray a fresh anointing for this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Pentecost in the church of today, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and then we're going to go to chapter 2. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in their own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hear them in our own native language? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Go to verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? Thank you, Lord. Pentecost and the church of today. The day of Pentecost marked a turning point in the early Christian church. 
You see, Pentecost, as we read it in the scriptures, was a Jewish feast that was celebrated for 50 days. And during this time that we read in Acts chapter 1 2, they had been celebrating Pentecost and they were at the end of the 50th day. Now, Pentecost is the Feast of the Weeks. It's the first fruit of the year that's given to God in celebration and in honor of God. And it had been 50 days since Jesus resurrected from the grave. Jesus resurrected from the grave 50 days prior to this. For 40 days, for the first 40 of those 50 days, he was among the disciples coming in and out. As we know uh, in the Gospels we read. And then for the last 10 days, the disciples were in the upper room and they were praying and waiting on God because Jesus had told them not to go anywhere until they receive the promise of the Lord. So for about, for about, about 120 disciples of Jesus were in the upper room and they were praying and they were waiting on what Jesus had promised. Now, they didn't know what would happen. They thought maybe like Jesus ascended, he would descend. They didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but they were obedient. And they prayed, and Jesus had now been gone for 10 days. They were in the upper room, and they were praying, and they were waiting on God. And uh, they were doing what they knew how to, what to do, pray. This is what they had learned from Jesus. And on the 50th day, 10 days after Jesus had ascended, uh, the Holy Spirit descends upon them like tongues of fire and they began to speak in other native language that the people of the feast understood. Now the people of the feast, there were Jewish people from all areas that had come and they spoke different dialects and different languages. And they hear the wonders of God being declared in their own native language. And they recognize that it is a powerful move of God. It is a miracle. It is something supernatural that is happening in the natural. And then Peter gets up and he preaches and the Bible says that 3,000 people gave their hearts to the Lord. But I love their response. They're like, what, what must we do? Because they see that there's something supernatural that has happened here. And it's an affirmation or a confirmation of what the prophet Joel um, had said hundreds of years prior. That he said, uh, the Lord speaking through him, afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Peter stands up and makes a declaration and says, you know about this because the prophet Joel hundreds of years ago said that this would happen. It's a great time in the history of the church, and it's what sparked the greatest revival of the church history. A great revival followed the church from that moment on. There was a great move of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the church moved with power and moved with, with an anointing that, that changed lives. Uh, because of this great revival, we see that God's purpose was fulfilled. The gospel was reaching all these nations and cities. And, and we see because of this great revival, uh, people understood their purpose and, and they persevered. The church understood their purpose and they persevered. The growth of the Pentecostal movement in the world is attributed to the Spirit himself. In other words, this great move and this great uh, excitement and this great power and this supernatural move of the Holy Ghost uh, that we see in the church of the, uh, of the primitive church and we see today, we understand and can only attribute it to the Holy Spirit himself. Now, 
Charles Finley said this, when the presence of God is in the church, the church will draw the world in. I love that. He's saying when, when God is moving in the church, in the people of God, in you and in me as individuals, and in the church in his whole, when, when God is moving, the world will, will be drawn to the move of God. The world will ask the question, what must we do? Because they see that there's something supernatural happening. Now, uh, uh, Charles uh, Finley says this, though. He says, uh, if the presence of God is not in the church, the world will draw the church out. In other words, he's saying, if there's no move of God, the world looks attractive to the church. If there's a move of God, the church looks attractive to the world. But if there's no move of God, the world looks attractive to the church. This tells us that we need an active supernatural move of God every day in our lives. You see, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Pentecost is not just part of the history of the church. It is part of our present day as well. We are defined here in ECC, we're defined as a Pentecostal church. So what does that mean? Does that mean that, that we pray more than other churches? No. Does that mean that we're, we're more spiritual than other churches? No. I heard somebody one time say uh, in Spanish, I'll say it in English, they said in Spanish, they said, the Pentecostal church is the one that's closest to God's heart. I just, it just kind of rolled my eyes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Does it mean that we're more holy than someone else? Absolutely not. Uh, does it mean that, that, that we're more conservative than others? No. A Pentecostal church is a church that cultivates an opportunity for the gifts of the Spirit to flow through the church. That's what a Pentecostal church is. It cultivates an opportunity for the gifts of the Spirit to flow through the church for the edification of the church and for the salvation of the lost. As a Pentecostal church, we have come to understand what leads and empowers the church is the very Holy Spirit of God. That the gifts of the Spirit are for these times. And we should be flowing through them. And we should be allowing the Holy Spirit to move with power. Why? Because the church needs to be edified and the lost needs to be saved. That is our goal. Not that man be lifted up, but that God would be lifted up, that his name would be lifted up on high, that God will reign, that the works of his spirit will dominate every aspect of the church in our lives. That's what defines a Pentecostal church. I love what um, Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. He says, if we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us walk as the Spirit is leading us to walk. Let us bear the fruit of the Spirit. Be empowered and let us uh, uh, be led and do the work that He has called us to do. Uh, we know that 
as we let the Holy Spirit move and do what he wants to do in our lives, in our church, in our ministry, the agenda belongs to the Lord. The results belong to the Lord. When people are saved, it is by God's grace that they're saved. And the praise belongs to him, and the glory belongs to him. And we're reminded as a church, we're just a vehicle that he is using to fulfill his perfect will. And as a church that recognizes the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we must allow the Holy Spirit to move in us and through us for the edification of the church. And the church says, a few reminders with regard to Pentecost. Four reminders this morning. The first reminder is, Pentecost teaches us that we're not alone. Pentecost teaches us that we're not alone. The church has never been on their own. Jesus did not leave them orphans. And I love that Jesus tells the disciples when he was getting ready to depart, I will not leave you an orphan, he tells them. But he tells them, wait until the Father sends the Counselor, the Comforter, and He will come and be with you. And the idea is like, I am with you, He will be with you. It's one just like me that will come and be with you. That's why the church, the primitive church, was able to what, persevere under trials and hardships. That's where they got their strength from. That's why they were able to be victorious, because the Holy Spirit was with them. Uh, they were able to overcome temptation and persecution and hardship. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was with them to strengthen them. It wasn't their own gifting that allowed them to have those experiences that you and I read in the book of Acts. Uh, the gift of healing and miracles and speaking in tongues and prophecy and faith. That didn't come from their own nature. That came from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that started on the day of Pentecost. That the works of the Holy Spirit uh, became part of their lives and God used them for his glory, for the edification of the church and for the salvation of the lost. God was with them and it was evident that God was with them. It was a confirmation that each individual will have his own experience with God. It was a confirmation that Jesus had destroyed the veil that separated man from God. Remember in the Old Testament there was a veil that separated man from God and there was a whole ceremony that allowed man, one man to enter into the holies of holies one time a year only. Well, Jesus destroyed the veil that separated man from God. And because he destroyed that veil, now each and every one of us could experience the holies of holies. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and descended upon each and every one of us. And it's affirmed when the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, and he says, after our good confession, at that moment, the Bible says that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. In the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul challenges the church and says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, it says this, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
And the Apostle Paul there was talking to the, to, the, to the Hebrew Christians because they still were having a cultural conflict that in the Old Testament there was a veil and there was a ceremony to get to the holies of holies. And, and Paul is telling them, Jesus destroyed that veil. There's no longer a ceremony in which you have to enter into. He says, when you turn to the Lord, the law, the veil is removed. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You see, Pentecost reminds us that we are not alone. Uh, perhaps um, there, there's someone here today that, that you're wrestling with this. I'm not alone. The Lord's with us. And that's why it changes the way that we live. When we come to understand this, it changes the way that we live. We can now enter into this life knowing that we don't have to overcome in our own strength. But the power of God and the will of God that leads us and helps us will help us be overcomers. That's why we can face our fears. Each and every one of us deal with some type of fear, some type of temptation, some type of hardship. But we are not alone. The Holy Spirit empowers us to overcome. I love the thought and the reminder of Scripture that says God hasn't given us a spirit of power, but He's given us a, a spirit of, uh, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but He's given us a spirit of, of power, of love, and a sound mind. It's a reminder to us that maybe we're dealing with some fear in our life from our own weaknesses, from our own failures, from our own hardships. Well, that fear is part of our nature. And God says, though, what I've put in you, though, is love power, and a sound mind. Love, uh, the motive behind your thought, the motive behind what you're dealing with. Power, what you can't do, God does it for us, and sound mind, count the cost. Think about it. Use wisdom. That's what comes from the Lord. My wife and I have found ourselves in many times when we feel like, Lord, I can't do this without you. Many circumstances in our lives where we feel like, Lord, we, we need your help. We need your strength. Lord, would you, would you help us? Would, would you lead us? And, and the Lord strengthens us and gets us through. And the Lord leads us. And we find his hand and we find his will in the midst of hardship. And he doesn't forsake us, but he leads us. Pentecost reminds us that we are not alone. That God is leading us and we can trust him for today, and we can trust him for tomorrow. He's just not helping us through our present circumstances as well. His divine will today is preparing us to be victorious tomorrow. Sometimes in our present circumstance, we feel like, where, where is God? This is too challenging for me. This is too hard for me. Uh, how do I get through it? God, where are you at this time? But know that God's divine will in our present day is only preparing the way for us to be victorious, not just today, but tomorrow as well. And he'll allow us to struggle at times. And he'll allow us to strengthen our wings at times. Why? Because the time will come when we'll need to trust him and fly. The time will come when we'll need to know that he was with us before and he will be with us again. I want to remind you today that Pentecost reminds us that we are not alone. His divine will leads us. His divine will empowers us. And his divine will will help us. Maybe you're battling with something today in your life. Pentecost teaches us that you're not alone. We are victorious. The Apostle John said this, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. It's a guarantee of winning. It's a guarantee that we're always victorious. Why? 
Greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. Pentecost was the channel that God used to release his divine power over the church, over you, over me. When we think about it, God with us. Pentecost, his Holy Spirit over our lives. That's why when we sing, we sing and there's something special happening behind our song. That's why when we teach and preach, we teach and preach with an anointing that doesn't come from our natural strength or our, or our wisdom or our intellect, but it's an anointing that comes from the Lord. That's why we live life better. That's why we bear a fruit of the Spirit. That's why we can forgive and encourage someone and we don't live in bitterness or in anger or in jealousy. No, we've come to understand that we die to ourselves and we let His Spirit reign in our lives. Why? Because we are not alone. Pentecost affirms the very presence of God. It's dunamis over our lives. It's power over our lives. And we as the church of God understand that if God is with us, who can be against us? It's a reminder to us to be content when we have a lot and to be content when we don't have that much. Because God with us is positioning Him to be glorified. He's positioning Him within us that His name would be glorified through our very lives. Sometimes when we think about this gospel, it's all about our own purification. But God is reminding us that His presence within our lives is just not about us, but it's about what He wants to do in us and through us as well. Um, but the church, the Pentecostal church, has had great history, has had great success in history. Why? Because the Holy Spirit empowered the church. Everett Wilson, a historian, said this, Pentecostals cannot attribute their success to, ex to extensive material resources, profound theological insight, religious devotion, administrative skills, or wise or charismatic leaders. No. Uh, our success as the church, as the Pentecostal church, is God's very presence upon our lives. There's no gifted leader that has made this happen. There's no particular individual that has made this happen. No. Even our great forefathers, even the great apostles, what made the difference upon their lives was that they were not alone. Pentecost, the Holy Spirit of God descended upon them, empowered them, and changed their lives forever. Today I want to remind you, Pentecost in the church of today, you and I were called to be different. We're called to live a life that pleases God. And we can do it. Why? Because we don't do this alone. In our nature, we know what we're capable of. In our nature, we are dangerous people. But when we die to ourselves and let the Holy Spirit of God reign in our lives, we will be victorious for Jesus. His name will be lifted up. The church will be edified and the lost will be saved because Jesus is with us. And the church says, Amen. Amen. Pentecost and the church of today. First point is Pentecost teaches us that we're not alone. Number two, Pentecost defines our purpose. It defines our purpose. Um, our purpose is revealed in the day of Pentecost. Where is it revealed? Many spoke different languages. 
It was to teach the church, the primitive church, and us today that the gospel was not for one culture. It was not for one people, but it was for all languages. It was for all nations. It was for all people. Pentecost defines the purpose of the church. Uh, in chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Utterly amazed, they asked, Are in all these who are speaking Galileans? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and, they, and perplexed, they asked, What does this mean? It means that God was defining the purpose of the church. No matter our language, our skin color, our birthplace, no matter if we're Jew or Gentile or Samaritan, the message of Jesus is for all people. And Pentecost defined our purpose. Jesus gives us the great commission in all four Gospels. In Matthew, he says, go and make disciples. In Mark, he says, go proclaim the gospel. In, uh, in Luke, he says, go be my witnesses. In John, he says, uh, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. Paul affirms this in 2 Corinthians 5, where he says, we are therefore Christ as ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. We've been, we've been purposed as the church. Purposed. For what? To be the messengers, the messengers of the gospel, of the good news. And Pentecost affirms our purpose. Pentecost has defined the purpose of the church. The gospel is, is about the other. It's not just about making us personally righteous. It's not just about that. I think that as sometimes we look at the gospel, the church, it, it's all about me. Making me personally righteous. But we're reminded that Pentecost defined our purpose. And although, yes, there is an inner work that needs to happen in each and every one of us. But that work is defined as it begins to come out of our pores. And we're reminded of our purpose. Which is to lift the name of Jesus on high. And to embrace the Great Commission. The Great Commission is not an, an option, but a mandate. Jesus said, go and make disciples. It, it shows us the heart of God. Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and save which was lost. All Christians have been charged with the mandate of evangelism. Some say, you know, when I retire... Oh, I'm going to dedicate myself to evangelism. You know, they, they take it like a second option, like the next thing. But we're reminded that evangelism is, is, is part of who we are as the church. For the believer, evangelism is not an option. It's an obligation. It's not a choice to be considered. It's a command to be obeyed. It's not a gift it's a responsibility. A disciple of Christ is intentional in personal evangelism. When the Lord called the first disciples, what did he say? He said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In other words, if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to follow me, here's your purpose. I'm going to make you fishers of men. What motivates us towards sharing the gospel is what? what? What should motivate you and I with regard to sharing the gospel? Our love 
for the homeless, our love for the addiction. I don't know about you. I'm going to be vulnerable here. Don't judge me. If it bothers you, pray for me. But if I see somebody begging in the corner, I usually don't have the emotion, oh, I love you so much. I usually don't have that emotion. What compels us? The Bible says our love for God compels us. Our love for God compels us. Um, uh, you know, uh, the Bible tells us our love for God compels Our love for God obligates us is what the word compels there means. You know, Jesus said to Peter three times. Ask him three times, do you love me? And you know this story in John chapter 21. Peter would say, um, you know I love you. You love me, you know I love you. And then he tells him what? Feed my sheep. He never asked Peter, you love my sheep? He never asked Peter, you love feeding my sheep? The question is, do you love me? Your love for me compels you. Your love for me obligates you then to feed my sheep, to care for my sheep. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says this, For the love of Christ compels us, obligates us. Pentecost defines our purpose. We are called to all people, to all nations. We are called to be witnesses uh, just like Jesus in a community that needs him. And the church says, Application, can you leave here today praying and asking God to give you the boldness to capitalize opportunities to share the gospel? You know, I know that nobody wants to be like deemed this weirdo Christian. Nobody wants to be deemed that. Nobody wants to walk Jamaica Avenue with a bell. Ding, 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 ding. Jesus loves you. Give, give your life to Jesus. Ding, 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 ding. Give your life. If you don't, you're going to hell. Ding, ding, ding. Nobody wants to be, nobody wants to be deemed that Christian weirdo. Not in our community, not in our jobs, not, no, nowhere. But could we pray this prayer? Lord, give me the boldness to capitalize on opportunities that you give me to share the good news. Amen. That when somebody at work comes to me and says, man, I'm going through some hard times with my, with my spouse and not understanding me. You know, I've gone through some of those things as well. You know what has helped me? My faith in Jesus has helped me. When somebody comes to you and says, man, I haven't been sleeping well. I, I've been dealing with some depression, some hardship. I, I've been dealing with some things in my life. I feel, give us the boldness to tell them, you, you know, can I pray with you? I've come to know that a relationship with Jesus helps me through those times. Capitalize the opportunities that the Holy Spirit will give us to share the gospel. To be bold. Just recently, I was talking to somebody that I have befriended. He's not a believer, but we befriended. And as I'm talking to them, I feel the gospel. I feel the Lord telling me, tell him something. And I took the opportunity to tell him something. I, I, I want to encourage you. Could this be our prayer? 
Lord, you know, I'm, some people are, are called to have the John the Baptist spirit, and they're just like walking Jamaica Avenue going ding, 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 ding. Hey, some people got it. And that's okay. But a lot of us don't, don't, don't have that. But what each and every one could have is a prayer that says, Lord, give me the boldness to capitalize on opportunities. That I won't walk away from there saying, why didn't I say something? But that I would walk away from there saying, this is the reason that you have saved me. Pentecost defines a purpose. And the church says, number three, Pentecost proves our faith in Christ. Once again, proving who Jesus is. Jesus uh, said to the disciples, I will not leave you orphans. He said to them, I will send a counselor. He said to them, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise. So Jesus speaks this to them. And when they least expect it, Pentecost occurs. The Holy Spirit descends from heaven. Affirming what? The words of Jesus. It was another affirmation. They had seen the resurrected Jesus. But this was another affirmation that they can trust the words of Jesus. That everything that Jesus taught them in his three and a half years of earthly ministry, that they can trust his teachings. That they can trust his word because everything that he says will come to pass. Pentecost reminds us that we can trust God for his word. To remind us to us that he, that, that he um, confirms his word. It is affirmed. So uh, whatever scripture tells us, let's believe it. You know, uh, Jesus is coming back again. He said it. He said he is the way, the truth, and the life. He said it. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He said, you could ask anything in my name and in my will, and you will have those things. What is it that Jesus is speaking into your life today? What is it? You know, um, Something that the Lord always puts in my heart, I've shared this publicly, is he's always put in my heart in different seasons in my life. I've never heard the audible voice, but this is always a resounding word in my heart where God tells me, Carlos, your job is faithfulness. You, 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 don't get, you don't get thrown off by others. You don't get thrown off by circumstances. You don't get thrown off by famine. You don't get thrown off by sickness. You don't get thrown off by pandemic. Nope, your job, God has continually put that in, in, in my heart. Your job is not the responsibility to make sure that the church grows. You're, no, no. Your job is faithful. It's faithful to all that is righteous, all that is right. Faithful to your disciplines. Faithful to being a steadfast in what I've called you to be steadfast in. That's your job. It's a word that God has constantly put in my heart. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. I take care of those other things. You got to be faithful. That's why Galatians 6 uh, is, is, a, is a life verse for me, nine. Do not get tired in, be, in doing good for in due season you will reap what you sow if you do not give up. Why? Because the Lord put that in my heart and always told me, your job is faithfulness. And my wife and I live by, by that rule. What has the Lord spoken to your heart? What are the words of Jesus that speaks to you? When we are intentional in setting out time to hear from the Lord, he speaks to our lives. And then I ask you, do you trust him for what he has spoken to you today? Pentecost affirms that we can trust the words of Jesus. And the church says, our last point this morning, Pentecost reminds us 
that we must seek to be filled. We must seek to be filled. The church in the upper room, there was about 120 of them, and they were praying, and they were waiting on God. They had positioned themselves through obedience and perseverance, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and their lives were changed forever. Once the Holy Spirit descended, the church was baptized and filled with God's presence. God's presence empowered them into a life in Christ. They had been commissioned by Jesus. The Holy Spirit came upon them and they were commissioned. They were filled. Pentecost reminds us that we also must be filled with his spirit. In fact, do you remember the beginning of Jesus' ministry when he was baptized? The Holy Spirit came from heaven in symbol of a dove and landed on Jesus to empower him for the next three and a half years of ministry. That same experience occurred for the church on the day of Pentecost where we were empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the work that God has called us to do. And as a church, we must continue cultivating being filled with the Spirit of God. We must continue to cultivate it. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 reminds us to be filled with God's Spirit. Not to get drunk with wine, it says, and there I like to use the thought of not to fill ourselves with, with worldly things, but what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And that's present tense in its original language. In other, in other words, it's not about today high, tomorrow low, today high, tomorrow low, but it's present tense. In other words, that we can choose to be filled with God every single day of our lives. Every day, every hour, every minute, every second, we can have the filling of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. And the church says, Pentecost reminds us that we must seek to be filled. Jesus told them, don't leave until you receive the promise. So what did they do? They prayed. They waited. They persevered in obedience and at the moment that God said they were baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit because it was essential to the next thing in their lives. I want to tell you what's essential in the next thing in our, of our lives is to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that God can do what he wants to do in, in our lives and in our church. Remember, to release ourselves and, and let the Holy Spirit move in his gifts for the edification of the church and for the salvation of the lost. Pentecost reminds us that we must seek to be filled. We must desire and position ourselves to be filled. We, the church, we are not an organization that can run on our natural gifts and run on our natural talents and expect success. No, we must seek God's presence. We must seek his baptism, baptismal. We must seek the filling of the Holy Spirit because it is the filling of the Holy Spirit that makes the difference in the church. A spirit-filled believer, a spirit-filled church will make a difference. A spirit-filled believer, a spirit-filled church will be ready for the attacks of the enemy. A spirit-filled believer, a spirit-filled church, when we worship and sing, there's something special about it. When we preach and teach, there's something special about it. We capitalize the opportunities to share the good news. Why? Because we have been filled with God's spirit. The spirit of Pentecost does not channel itself from the church through the people, but it is effective when it channels itself from the people into the church. We must 
be filled. We must cultivate this desire within us to be filled with God, to be filled with his presence. This means less of us and more of him. Becoming more aware of God's presence by creating space where, where God can minister to us. You cannot become more aware of God's presence without quieting your soul. Without separating time for God. Dallas Willard said this, Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life. You need time and space to hear God clearly. When we're always on the go, when we're always moving one task to the next task, one email to the next email, one show to the next show, when we're always uh, buzzing socially, we leave God in the background. We must quiet our souls because hurry is the great enemy to the spiritual life. What did Jesus do? The Bible says that, every, that early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus would go up, he would leave his house, go to a solitary place, and there he would pray. Why solitary? Simply to remove the distractions so he can focus on the will of his Father. You and I should do the same at least once a day and separate time, quiet our souls, and just be with the Lord so that he can minister to our very souls. Can I encourage you today to leave this place asking the Lord to fill you with his presence? To leave this place saying, Lord, more of you and, and less of me. Uh, how, how does that happen? What's the next thing that we would need to do? We need to ask the Lord, Lord, reveal to me the things that are in my life that's taking your place. Less of us and more of God would mean uh, where pride takes his place, we would need to remove our pride so that God can take his place. Uh, where pride is, God's presence is second place. Where there's anger or jealousy, uh, they, those things, bitterness, those things take the place of God. God's presence is set aside when we allow the sinful nature to reign in our lives. It has to be less of us and more of God. Our need of God is not a, a place of weakness. No, no, but it's a place of strength. Would you take time this week and ask the Lord, examine me, O oh God. Just like the psalmist did. Lord, examine, examine me. Uh, Lord, remove anything from me that hinders your will, that hinders your presence, that, that hinders your power in our lives. Would, would we tune our ears to what the Lord wants to speak to our lives? Would we take heed to it? To the things that God is revealing to us that, that we need to remove, we need to release, things that we need to surrender people that we need, need to forgive, things that we need to let go so that God's presence can reign in our lives and we can enjoy what it is to be filled with God's presence. For us to be filled, it's not about if God wants to or not. God always wants to fill his people. 
It has to do if we're willing to let go the things that have taken root in our lives and have not left place for God's presence to dwell. Would you pray that prayer with me this week? As I prepared the sermon this week, I prayed, I said, Lord, examine me, examine my life. What has taken root in me that hinders your very presence? God is looking for men and women to say less of me and more of you. Those are the ones that could experience the fullness of God's presence. And the church says, Pentecost and the church of today. Be filled is our theme over the next four weeks. We're reminded of a few things. Pentecost reminds us that we are not alone. That the very presence of Jesus is with us every single day through his Holy Spirit. And because of that, there's an inward work in us. And that expression begins to pour out of our pores. And it begins to what? Uh, to allow his will to reign in our lives for his glory and his honor. Being a Pentecostal church, we're reminded that our purpose is defined. It's not just about us. It's not just about our own purification, our own sanctification. But God has called us to believe him for the next, to embrace the great commission. Pentecost reminds us that we can trust the words of Jesus. If he said it, it absolutely will come to pass. What is the Lord speaking to your heart today? And Pentecost reminds us that we must seek to be filled. If we seek to be filled, he will meet us there. And where God meets us, we will find his will and his way. And there, the church is always successful. And the church says, as I close our teaching this morning, I'll finish off with this verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, where it says, For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. So this verse reminds us, regardless of where we are, where we come from, where we were born, what language we speak, whether bondage that we may have to deal with in our lives, struggles that we may have had to battle in our lives, weaknesses that we may have had to overcome or, or still trying to overcome. This verse reminds us we were all given the one spirit to drink. In other words, that his Holy Spirit wants to reach and fill all his people. And maybe we feel like, oh, I'm, I'm not worthy, or I can't, or I, I got too much in my life. I want to tell you whether slave or free, his Holy Spirit is for you and for me, and he's going to lead us, and he's going to help us, and his name is going to be lifted up high, and the church is going to be edified, and the salvation uh, of the lost, or, or, or the salvation will be for the lost, and we will see God's mighty hand at work in us, because that's what happens when he fills the church, when he fills the church with his presence. I'm going to invite you to stand.
prayers this week? Can you commit that in your prayer to do these things? The first one is to thank God that you don't have to do this alone. That He is he's always with you. He doesn't forsake you. He's always with you. Can you pray this prayer that says, God, help me to capitalize the opportunities and to be bold to share the gospel in the opportune moment. I don't have to be the one walking down Jamaica Avenue with a bell, but give me the boldness to capitalize the opportunities. Would you pray the prayer that says, Lord, help me to trust you for your word, the very thing that you've spoken into my life. And would you say the prayer that says, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Examine me today. Less of me and more of you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the teaching of your word. Pentecost and the church of today. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to embrace your word. That we will be reminded, God, that you are near to us, Lord. That you're calling us for a great revival. That from the moment your Holy Spirit fell upon the church, it turned their cities upside down. And you want to do that great work in us and through us as well. Help us, oh Lord, to be filled. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and the Lord has spoken to you in a special way, and you're saying, that's me, less of me and more of, of Him, and you would like prayer as we sing this next song, the altar is open. And we want to pray with you here today. A prayer that will change your life forever. And if you don't know Jesus, then you're walking alone today. If you don't know Jesus, you're walking alone. But Pentecost reminds us that we don't have to walk alone. That God can walk with us. And that happens the day that you say, Jesus, would you be my Lord and Savior? Forgive me of my sins. The Bible says at that very moment you are sealed with the Holy Spirit you begin to walk this life with God in your life helping you and leading you today is the day of salvation for you if you don't know Jesus then this altar is also open for you this morning would you be so brave as we sing this next song join us here at the altar and we want to pray with you God bless you God keep you Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon. We pray it blesses and encourages your life.